Je ne suis plus esclave de la peur. Je suis enfant de Dieu. Just what we sang. No longer afraid. I'm a slave. I'm a child of God. It's so great to sing songs of deliverance. Songs about the cross. Songs about what Jesus does in our lives. Even though we didn't sing this one this morning in Limoges, they sang songs of deliverance, songs of the cross, songs of Jesus and work in their hearts. Thank you, Jesse, for the invitation to come and be here with you today. My wife, Carol, and I live in Limoges, France. Now, when people think about France, usually it's like, I'm going to France. What they're really saying is, I'm going to Paris. But there's more to France than Paris, just like there's more to the United States than New York. We all know that. So we've lived in Limoges, or in, in France, since uh, 2000, the year 2000. We're involved in starting new churches, pastoring these churches, and training leaders to take, take them over when we move on to the next place. For the past 10 years, Carol and I have lived in the city of Limoges, a city of just over 200,000 people, with less than a thousand of those who are in correct relationship with Jesus Christ. That's one in a thousand people. That's not very many. Several summers ago, we took some friends of ours, just happened to be Jesse and Nancy, down to the park for a concert. By the way, we want to thank you for letting Jesse and Nancy come to France every year. Um, we need to be resourced. We need to spend time together and to spend time in prayer together and to hear someone speak the word into our lives. And Jesse and Nancy come to France. They spend time in our homes. They spend time ministering to us, bringing us the word, leading us in prayer. We are deeply appreciative of their ministry. And I hope that you are deeply appreciative of the ministry that they have to us. Thank you for letting them come. So we took Jesse and Nancy down to this park. A friend had told us that there's going to be a concert in the park. It's a jazz concert. So we thought, well, hey, that'd be kind of fun for, for us to do with, with Jesse and Nancy. So we went down to the park, and it was set up behind or beside the Catholic church in town, and there was this, this stage up there. There were several hundred people who'd come to listen to this evening of nice, easy jazz. It was kind of cool. Um, a young African lady got up on stage with three or four people in her band and started to sing to the crowd. And when she began her first song, the crowd came alive as they heard her begin to sing with her soft, juicy, jazzy voice. I can't get no satisfaction. Of course, she went on to really bring the song home and to deliver it. And the, and the French people were like, wow, this is great. We love this song. It was such a great surprise. It was wonderful. She did such a good job. The crowd was enthusiastic, and the music was really pleasing. I had to stop Jesse from dancing. <laughs> then all of a sudden, it hit me. She was singing about France. I can't get no satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Because I try, and I try, and I try, and I try, and I can't get no I can't get no. When I'm driving in my car 
and the man comes on the radio. He's telling me more and more about the useless information, supposed to fire my imagination, and I can't get no, oh, no, 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 hey, hey, hey. That's what I say. I can't get no, oh, no, 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 I can't get no satisfaction. No satisfaction, no satisfaction. The French have been looking for a long time for something that would satisfy the desires of their hearts, and they've never found it. Especially they have not found it in the backdrop to the place where the music was being played. Here you have the stage with the musicians playing and the song comes on in the words, I can't get no satisfaction. This song nails exactly what the French are saying about Christianity. I can't get no satisfaction. Right behind the stage is the largest church for 100 miles in any direction. Christianity has not brought satisfaction to the French people. Or at least Christianity as the French have experienced it. Whenever we talk to our neighbors and our friends about Jesus, they respond by saying, oh, we've tried that. It doesn't work. The problem is that the French have tried a relationship with the church, a relationship with the institution, and they've never had a relationship with the person, Jesus. Because the relationship with the institution and the church hasn't brought satisfaction, they say that the whole of Christianity, the Christian thing, doesn't work. Then they move on to something else to find satisfaction. For some French people, it's looking for satisfaction in spirituality that is, an, is, is anything other than Christian. Buddhism, Hinduism, the occult, and by the way, 25% of French people, 15 million French people every year consult somebody who's involved in the occult. Islam. For many others, they look for satisfaction in something other than religion at all. Sports, politics, work, leisure activities, sex, family vacation, traveling around the world, money, parties, drugs, and the list just goes on. The problem that they run into is that pleasure and satisfaction that they find is only momentary, and then it disappears. The team wins, then has to win again to resatisfy. Or they lose, and there's no loss or no, there's no satisfaction in the loss. Isn't that right, LeBron? Sex is fun, but never completely satisfying. And another day awaits for another experience to bring empty happiness. The family is great until that weird uncle becomes awkward and says the wrong thing at the wrong time or somebody dies, or the family implodes through divorce and broken relationship. And it continues. The satisfaction is short-lived, and in fact, not at all satisfaction. Happiness and joy arrive 
and are soon gone. I can't get no, I can't get no, oh, no, no, no satisfaction. The problem with satisfaction is that it is me-centered. What can I get? How does it make me feel? What is my reward? One day Jesus was on a trip with his disciples. As they came to the outskirts of the town, the disciples told Jesus, Jesus, you wait here by the well. We'll go into town and get something to eat and come back. While Jesus was waiting, a lady came to get water from the well. Most of us know the story well. Jesus and the lady had a conversation about water, about life, her life, about satisfaction. Jesus says to her in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, the following. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life, eternal satisfaction. The gift that satisfies the soul's desire. But you know, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We've had several people recently who have been part of our church community, who have been introduced to Jesus. A lady was out in the woods one day, cutting dandelions. Why would she be cutting dandelions? A guy from our church was walking through the woods and he saw the lady and says, hey, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And she explained, well, I'm trying to make soup because it's good for my soul. So they talked a little bit and this guy has a gift of evangelism. Pretty soon he was talking to her about Jesus. And he said, so do you know God? And she says, well, when I come out here into the woods, I meet God. And the best place to meet him is when I lay down on the ground and spread out my arms and I feel him in the earth. And he said to her, well, I know how you can meet Jesus. And he started talking to her about Jesus. And then he invited her to church. And she said, ha, moi, me in church? Never. He said, well, you can go home to your dark home and sit in the house and be all alone and be all unhappy, or you can come to church tomorrow and meet people who are satisfied and happy. And she said, I'll never be in church. The next morning she was. And she left church that morning and she said, I have never been in a church like this in my entire life. Now, our church is not exceptional. Our church is just a normal, average church. We do the things that you do. But she had never been in a church like that. And it, it intrigued her. And so she came to church for about a month. And then on a Monday, she said to somebody, I invited Jesus into my heart. That was at Christmas time. About, about three weeks ago, she wrote to someone in the church who's been doing some discipleship with her, and she said, I quit. I'm not coming to church guitar lessons anymore. I'm not coming to church anymore. I'm not coming to Bible study anymore. I just quit because it's too hard. And I don't want to give up all my stuff. You see, when she came to Jesus, she came to Jesus for all the wrong reasons. She didn't come in humility asking for forgiveness of her sin, regretting the past life she had had, because she still likes that life. She came because she was introduced to a new lifestyle, a different thing that she had never experienced before, that she really wanted, 
but could never grasp hold of because she didn't take that step of going to the cross. You see, she's still a slave to whatever is in her life. You know in that song, I'm no longer a slave to fear? You cannot substitute other kinds of words in there other than fear, and it still works. But she was, she's still a slave to that. Our church is praying for this lady, that she will be struck by the Spirit of God to come to repentance and to humility and to encounter him in a real way like the lady at the well did. When Jesus was teaching his disciples on the mountain, he said to them, Blessed are those Alors, quand who... Enfant, oh, je oh, suis oh, né, uh... Excuse me. He said to them, Blessed are those who are hungry who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled or satisfied. God has the key to satisfaction in our world, and it's looked for in all the wrong places. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, desiring God, the continual transformation of our lives to reflect Christ. No, we don't always have everything we think we need to be satisfied, but in the depths of our souls, something has changed. And the Holy Spirit brings godly satisfaction in spite of all the crap that comes our way. Satisfaction is still something that someone does for someone else. It is my contentment in my relationship with God. My sin debt is paid. The beginning of my life transformed the assurance of my salvation. That's what Jesus was offering the lady at the well. That's what Jesus was and is teaching his disciples today. Of course... Out of the satisfaction that God places in our being develops a love and devotion to him that goes beyond anything that we have ever known. Satisfaction does not cause repentance. It doesn't cause holiness. It's the reward of those who seek, who desire a relationship with Jesus, a deeper intimacy with God. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. My soul will be satisfied. And that's what Jesus offers us today. Listen to some stories from France of satisfaction. The satisfaction that God brings to the soul. Alors, quand j'étais enfant, je suis né euh, dans une famille traditionnellement catholique. C'était plus par tradition que par conviction qu'ils euh, m'ont baptisé. Pour moi, Dieu, c'était euh, un peu un Dieu euh, qui était euh, dur et un peu comme dans l'Ancien Testament, avec beaucoup d'interdictions, beaucoup de sanctions, et ça m'a éloigné de la pratique religieuse. Je travaillais avec mon frère qui était chirurgien. Moi, je fais cardiologie. Il a eu un cancer et il est mort. Et donc, ça a changé totalement ma vie. 
J'avais des, des soucis dans mon mariage et j'ai divorcé. J'ai eu aussi des problèmes médicaux, un mélanome, des problèmes de dos. Et vraiment, j'en suis arrivée à faire une dépression et j'ai arrêté mon travail. J'ai vu que la vie n'avait aucun sens pour moi. Je pensais au suicide, j'étais vraiment mal. Je repartais vers les églises et je priais toute seule et j'ai demandé à Dieu de m'aider. Et son plan était de, de me faire rencontrer quelqu'un. Je me suis inscrite dans une association où j'ai rencontré une femme de pasteur qui m'a enseigné l'anglais et qui m'a enseigné aussi autre chose. J'ai senti qu'elle était épanouie et j'ai pu euh, discuter avec elle sans, sans inquiétude, sans crainte, sans avoir envie de fuir comme euh, jusqu'à présent je fuyais toute, toute personne qui avait trait à, à la religion. Son mari faisait une présentation avec un diaporama et dans la présentation il y avait une personne désespérée et il disait euh, « cette personne est désespérée mais Jésus est là pour l'aider ». Et je me suis dit « cette personne c'est moi ». Et Jésus est là pour moi. Et donc, euh, l'intervention du Saint-Esprit m'a fait réaliser que, que Dieu m'aimait et que, et que j'étais à la bonne place et qu'il m'avait qu retrouvé. Si je dois guérir ou non, euh, je ne suis pas seule. Et je n'ai pas peur de, de l'au-delà. J'aimerais que ce témoignage puisse convaincre d'autres personnes. C'était quand C'était en novembre 2012. Mon plus grand souci, c'est ma famille. J'aimerais qu'ils aient la foi. Je fais ce qui est en mon possible pour leur parler de Dieu, de la Bible. Pour moi, suivre le Seigneur, c'est quelque chose de joyeux. Be joyful always <rire> Je m'appelle Annie et Jésus a transformé ma vie. Dieu merci. Il n'y a plus de questions. <rire> my name is Annie. Jesus has transformed my life. A lady who has 19 years of post-high school education. A marriage that failed. Children who are sometimes alienated. Tried to commit suicide. Encountered Jesus. She has a satisfied life. This is Sarah. Sarah is 27 years old. Her family never had time for God when she was growing up. But when difficulties or illness or bad luck hit their family, they ran off to the closest sorcerer that they could find to find help. Right after high school, she went to technical college. And in the first week that she was in school, she moved in with some guy that she had just met, and they started living together and eventually had a child and got married. The young man has an uncle, the same guy that was walking out in the woods to talk to the lady that was picking dandelions. And he talked to them about Jesus. And both of them made a commitment to Jesus. The young man did it mostly because he wanted to make his uncle happy. But the young lady did it because she encountered someone who could satisfy the deep longings of her soul. 
This man talked to them about, the, about Jesus. They made the commitment to Christ. But Sarah has a difficult time in life. She lives about 80 miles from any other Christian that she knows. There are so few Christians in France that there are not churches in all of the cities of 10,000 people or more. And if she wants to go meet Christians that she knows, she has to travel a long ways. So she's all alone in her village without a church, without a pastor, without other Christians, and without a husband who loves Jesus. And when she goes through difficult waters, she has to go a long ways to find somebody or phone them on the telephone. Even though everything is so hard, she's found satisfaction in her relationship with Jesus that has led to a deep intimacy that she'd not previously known. This last year, she went through a deep, deep time where she lost a child in pregnancy. And she didn't have the support of her husband, and she didn't have the support of her family. They had all wanted her to have an abortion before the, when they found out that she was pregnant. So there she was all alone through this difficult, difficult time. She almost gave up her faith. But the Spirit of God talked to her soul. And she has found that satisfaction, even though it's difficult. At her baptism, after she was baptized and gave her testimony, her father-in-law, who is not a believer, said this, I now see the difference between religion and relationship. God has transformed and is transforming Sarah's soul. This is Nathanael. He's like many of us. He comes from a Christian family. He heard all the Bible stories growing up. He went to Sunday school, Bible camp, sang all the songs, and lived a double life. On Sunday, he was a good Christian boy, and on Monday through Saturday, he did whatever he wanted to do. Parties, girls, fun, a job that paid lots of money became his motto. But something deep down in Nate's heart told him that he was getting the satis told him he wasn't getting the satisfaction he was searching for. His family had stopped going to church for various reasons. Nate decided one day that he needed to start going to church. And he convinced his family to go to church with him. And they came to our church. And they seemed to listen intently to everything that was said. His family went back to the small village that they live in about 45 minutes from our town. But he lived in town. And on Wednesday night, he came to, to, to Bible study and to prayer meeting. And the next Sunday, he came to church. And that became his habit to come to church with us. He told me as, we, as he prepared for baptism several months later that he would go home after prayer meeting and after church. And he'd open his Bible and start to read. And as he would start to read, he'd start to sob. And he would cry and cry and cry. The tears poured from his eyes every time he began to read God's Word. In the weeks that followed, he went to a Bible conference where God somehow used a guy to speak into his heart. Nate repented, and the satisfaction of forgiveness swept over the deepest part of his being. As he hungered and thirsted for righteousness, God satisfied 
he was only and is only hungry and thirsty for more of God, satisfaction in Christ. Meet Malcolm. Malcolm does not live in our community. He lives up in the Paris area. Malcolm is an interesting guy. His French is not very good, but he communicates well. Well enough that we had him come and speak to our church in French, and the people understood him. He communicated God's love. Malcolm is an Irish boy. <clears throat> and when Malcolm was growing up, he didn't want to work on the farm the rest of his life, so he started learning how to play the drums. And he became a member of a huge, of a, of a, a strong rock band. And as he was a member of a strong rock band, uh, they'd go out and they'd put on concerts in pubs and they'd go to different cities and put out, do their concerts and their singing. And one of his best friends to help him overcome the sadness and the emptiness in his life was a, a person, no, not a person, a friend by the name of Guinness. You know, Guinness is about this tall and about that big around and you pop the lid. And they became good friends. Malcolm got married to a French gal. They had a couple kids, but it just didn't work out. And so they got divorced. Malcolm's best friend continued to be Guinness. But he understood pretty soon that if he continued on with Guinness, that it would probably take his life. And so he started going to Alcoholics Anonymous and gave up alcohol. And then he started to run. He had to have something else to replace this thing that was in his life. So he became a runner. And he doesn't run, you know, like for 20 minutes every day or for, he doesn't train for marathons. He's an ultra marathon guy. Like he gets out and he runs for hours and hours and hours over the, the trails and the woods. And it's just like, it's incredible. He joined a club. And he was running and practicing and running and practicing. And one day he met this American guy who joined the same club. And they started to run together. And, and when they would run together, they would talk together. Well, it just so happens that the guy was an Alliance missionary. And in fact, uh, he's the guy that heads up in the vision today, Tim Meyer. And as they would run and, and talk, the conversation would go around all kinds of things. And he finally said to Tim, why are you here in France? And he says, well, I'm a pastor of a church. Well, that was intriguing because Malcolm's only contact with the church was with the traditional church, and then the traditional church uh, leaders didn't go out running and jogging and didn't look like Tim and didn't talk like Tim, and so they had all of these conversations, and over a period of months, God worked in Malcolm's heart, and Malcolm gave his life to Jesus. Malcolm has a life that's transformed by the satisfying work of the Spirit of God in his life. And hopefully someday you'll get to meet Malcolm. Malcolm is a great guy, loves God deeply, wants to serve him with everything that he has. Everything I said about the French people is exactly what people around the world are experiencing. They look for satisfaction everywhere Except, that the, except in the place they can find it. I would surmise that there are some among us who are looking for satisfaction and haven't found true satisfaction.
There may be some here who have been in a relationship with a Christian religion without knowing Christ. There may be some here who are in a relationship with their parents' religion without entering into relationship with Jesus. There may be some here who like their church and are in a relationship with their great church but haven't entered into relationship with God. They don't got no satisfaction because they're looking in all the wrong places. And what we're trying to do, what we want to do in the place that we live, the place that God has put us, is to help people discover that they can have a relationship with the God who loves them. That they can go to the cross and at the cross they can encounter Jesus Christ and put their burden down and become a child of God. France is a country where not very many people know God. A country where not very many people want to know God. But they're searching. They're searching for something that will give them satisfaction. We're praying that God will open doors, just little doors, out along the trail with somebody clipping dandelions so that they can learn of the deep love that Jesus has for them and they can find that true satisfaction. I'd like to encourage you to search your heart and discover whether or not you've gotten satisf the satisfaction that only God can offer you through Jesus.